0: Hi, this is Susie McGrath. I pay Tam Ryvor in Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is my review of Star Wars Resistance Season 2, Episode 2, A Quick Salvage Run. And much like the crew of the Colossus, I am in hyperspace. Uh, When you get back from the beach and you go back to work, uh, you don't have a lot of free time because you just up all your vacation. So I'm recording this in the car safely, I promise. The Anchor app is awesome for doing recording. That's how little Han and I did our review last week from Scarif. Uh, We were not at uh, Dakar base, which, as we saw in this episode, is not there anymore. Uh, I'll get to that. Um, But, yeah, the Anchor app has been amazing for recording the reviews for the first part of this season while not at home base. So let's get into it. Uh, This is an amazing episode. It was written by... um, Executive producer Brandon Almond, and uh, directed by Bosco Ing. And, uh, I mean, it's just incredible. It told you exactly when it takes place, as far as the movies. You know, we had, of course, the Hosnian Prime situation, so that that episode would be tied into the Force Awakens. And here we are shortly after the Battle of Dakar that was witnessed in the last Jedi and just incredible all around I will get to it um, little Han enjoyed it too we uh, I know there's been some trouble with the Disney now app but we well, we have direct TV so we were able to watch it on demand in Sunday morning uh, before it aired on Disney XD and we just sat there and just both of us am- amazed at what we're watching. Even even my young one, the uh, the studio audience uh, sat in amazement. Uh, just incredible episode all around. You know, I like where they're doing the storytelling, where we're getting the parallels between the Resistance and the First Order. You have Tam on the Star Destroyer, and then of course you have the Colossus in space. So you've got these two opposing ships as of right now and from without giving too much away from the looks of it that will continue next week and i really like that parallel storytelling you're doing so far so we do begin with tam uh, in her barracks on the star destroyer and she's still got the comm link um, where kaz had sent a message to her and i like that uh, we, we get idle chatter with some of the TIE fighter pilots walking by. You know, it's, it's been a staple of Star Wars Sense A New Hope when we had the Stormtroopers talking about, uh, oh, shoot. I can't, remember, can't even remember the, the reference. But anyway, just idle chatter between troops is a common thing. You know, it's just like everyday soldiers. Uh, so I thought it was a nice touch to have the TIE fighter pilots doing it. Uh, But then we, you know, get confirmation that Jace Ruckland, voiced by Elijah Wood, joined the First Order as a TIE Fighter pilot cadet as well. And he is, at least for now, assigned with Tam. We'll see if, you know, that continues on and he is that connecting thread and he's the, in some ways, the devil on the other shoulder, kind of goading her on to betray Kaz and everyone who, of course, he doesn't like because of their history from Season 1. And, you know, Rucklin is trying to get her to uh, turn in information from the comlink. link. I skip over to the Colossus and the Pirates are still partying at Aunt Z's. I mean, well, you know, they were able to survive on Castellan. What else are they going to do? Of course, the, the booze has run out. And that's not good. You know, Niku runs through the list of all the things they they're running out of. Of course they thought they were on their way to Dakar to replenish everything, join the resistance. And, you know, skipping ahead when that doesn't happen, you know, they it, it'll be interesting to see how they go about acquiring supplies here out. And this also begins something that uh, the producers alluded to and I talked about in the season preview, Niku's fascination with the pirates and their lifestyle. And later on they say it's about you know plundering and and salvaging, taking you know just taking whatever. So I, I would be very interested to see how that progresses. Um, that would be an interesting out of left field resolution for Niku as this series nears its end. you know what does he do with his life once? that we would assume danger is averted. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll see, that. That'll be really interesting. Uh, I like that character arc that Niku looks to be taking, uh, you know, discovering these other lifestyles and ways of surviving in the galaxy. I uh, also like, you know, we've got Sonara. I mean, she looked to be, I don't know if she was just being nice and cleaning up or if she's, you know, told Aunt Z she would work for her, but, you know, there she is cleaning up uh, some glasses, taking them back to the bar. Um, but it's good to see her back and interacting with Kaz. You know, without saying too much. You know, they they make so many references to season one when you know she was a spy, he was a spy. How they came to trust each other despite all that. Too bad they didn't slip in a good luck with your food reference, because I, I loved that when food was code for spy in season one. But, oh well. But, I mean, I don't know if they'll have time for romance, but I, I'll ship Kaz and Sonara all the way to the end. I mean, I, I don't see her betraying him. I think she is seeing what can be uh, can happen when you do do good. I hope the noise isn't too bad, there's a big truck going by, but, uh, you know, that's what happens when you're in Hyperspace. All right, so then we get to the message from Hamato Zion, Kaz's father, we we got a tease of it, and then confirmation that it was him in the uh, trailer, the preview, so, you know, some of us predicted it, that the family would be off-world when positive Prime is destroyed, there's a lot to chew on for this message. It, you know, it's, it's not uh, decrypted, you know, encrypted like last season and we, we get to see him and um, they explained really well on Bucket's List what his uh, all the stuff on his uniform means as far as being an important senator and having wealth. Uh, you know, it's not all the robes and everything like we saw with the senators and uh, the prequels. So, yeah, I mean, my, my first question was, how did he know how to get a hold of Kaz? It's, I mean, he kind of indicated in his dialogue that he's been trying to find him, but you know, he he never knew that Kaz was going to castleon or would be living on the Colossus. So, how did he get a hold of their calm to communicate to him that way? Again, he did make uh, you know say that they were off-world during the attack. That Kaz has been identified as a spy, and that the First Order is after them. They've hired bounty hunters to come after them. That was a tease for the season. So the family's alive. Good for that. But I think this scene reinforced that Kamado Ziano and maybe the family were First Order sympathizers, uh, benefactors, that they were taken off-world on purpose because they knew the attack was coming. Um, We're going to find out a lot more, I think. Um, But I'm glad they went ahead and introduced this early in the season about Kaz's dad. And it will be very interesting to see where it goes from here. It almost seemed like like a throwaway given the weight of the rest of the episode, but... You know, I think it ties into, you know... Obviously, with Tam and the they knew where to go find the Colossus. But there's this, too. So, yeah. Just a lot to lot to chew on. So, the Colossus arrives at Dakar. And then we get the scene... And I didn't want to spoil it for anybody who didn't want to know. But this was the scene that they gave away on the, on the Season 1 DVD. And... When I realized the scene, what I was watching, I, I was just floored. I cannot believe. Oh my God, they made it to Dakar. At what point does this take place? And as it turns out, it's episode two. I, I honestly thought that if they did make it to Dakar, and I think I talked about it in like the, you know, season two speculation and all that. How long would it take for them to get there? Would it, you know, be much longer after? Uh, the events of Last Jedi or what. But no, they they made it quickly. So we've got this part of the story out of the way now. And then the exploration of new worlds and surviving is the rest of the season, the rest of the series. Uh, And and, just every visual from here out was just stunning because we have the wreckage of a battle we've already seen. The smoldering hole in the surface of the planet is still there from where we saw the matrix destroy the base. And, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, but you know, we see the base destroyed in the movie. And then when they reposition the guns to try to target the Raddus before they make the jump or, or before Paige managed to destroy uh, the matrix we see the bay, the, that part of the planet starting to smolder from where it was destroyed. So they recreated that so well in this episode. It's, yeah, it was just a stunning visual. Like, no, oh, there it is. That's where the base was. Um, so just kudos to the animators for that. I mean, you could watch the opening scene of the movie and then this episode, and it looked and it would just be seamless. Yeah, and I do like that they, you know, because the *Fulminatrix*, the Dreadnought, was a massive ship. You know, surely the entire thing would not have been vaporized by being bombed uh, by one of the uh, gunships, the Star Fortress, or whatever it was. So, you know, using that is a plot device to get extra coaxium from that ship. I mean, that was brilliant to get it tied into the movie. I mean, in many ways, I mean, the way they tied this episode to The Last Jedi was even more insane and good than how they tied Force Awakens to No Escape. And, 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 you know, they also mentioned it in Bucket's List. The production of this Set of episodes was around the same time as the production of Solo, so they were able to use continuity for the usage and appearance of coaxium. You know, I mean, that's the thing now. That is the hyperfuel in the Star Wars Galaxy, and you know, we know that from the movie, and now we know it from the show. So, great job tying everything together. I mean, this show, I mean, it, you know, it's canon, but it feels like it fits in the Star Wars. So they've got that plot they need, the pirate's help. Yeah, and I like this uneasy alliance thing got they're gonna have going on. Casno's, you know, they're the ones to go salvage stuff. And then, you know, Sonara uses that as the bargaining chip. Look, you can, you can have whatever else you want on the ship. We just need to get over there and get the coaxing. So, you know, it's a little bit for everybody. And then thanks to Rockland, you know, TAM hands over the comm link. They use the information to track the signal to uh, Dakar, to the Ilenium system. And, and that's another thing. I do like that. Remember, Dakar was never named in the movies yet. I doubt they'll bring it up Rise of Skywalker. But it was only referred to as the Ilenium system in uh, The Force Awakens. So Resistance was the first spoken reference to Dakar. But I like that they had the callback and referenced the star mm-hmm. system first. You know, it's a good time to mention it. When I started the podcast last year, and I thought, okay, I'm going to review this Resistance show, whatever it is. So I'll try to do a sequel-era theme for the podcast, even though I may eventually branch out into other themes, which I will with Mandalorian and I did with Star Wars. Um, so, you know, when I was thinking, okay, what, what can I call the show? I thought, well, you know, Dakar was really cool because it had, you know, the establishing shots of, of the base had all the satellite dishes and everything, so obviously they're sitting out and receiving signals. So it looks like the kind of a place in the Star Wars galaxy from where you would do a podcast. So I thought, okay, I'll just reference Dakar in the name of the, in the show. So it became Radio Dakar. And it's... Still surreal to for Myrna Velasco and Christopher Sean and Susan McGrath to say the name of my show thanks guys. Love you. Um but yeah, so I didn't think when I did that that we would get scenes on the show I'm gonna review that took place at the battle site. Or in the orbit, orbit of the planet. So just a very surreal episode. Not only for the movie references. So I mean, this may be the last we, we hear of it, but uh, anyway. So uh, you know, I have to point out I love Tierney's mind games with Tam. She's like, "You want to help us, don't you?" And uh, you know, prove your loyalty and all this. And the Reckless like kind of goading her on, anyway. And then you know, pays off in the end when Pyre thinks you know she should be conditioned or scraped. Or whatever they plan to do <clears throat> you would assume they do to tie fighter pilots what they do to the stormtroopers as far as mental conditioning but the tyranny wants to keep her the way she is for manipulation she's just cold man and, uh, i will i will be very interested to in see what kind of an end she has on the show But she'll probably have one um uh, so uh, flashback to the colossus you know, as I said, there's parallels. I love, you know, you've got Pyre being the commander of the Star Destroyer and, you know, creating their mission, and then you've got Doza in command of the Colossus, giving his missions. You know, you've got the parallel of the two commanders in this episode and the ships they command, which we didn't get last season. you know. And Doza was just, like, the guy who ran the gas station basically or the truck stop. and you know, We didn't know what it was. The pirate was just like just more first order muscle. But no, he's in command, Dose is in command. I like that. That's a good parallel for this episode. So it when we find out the galley in this, uh, the pirate ship is spaceworthy. It's not just for you know in atmosphere activities. And uh, you know they referenced it on uh, Bucket's list the bridge or the you know, cockpit or whatever of the Galleon is, is a, the head of a AT-AT. So you get the periscope like General Beers had in Empire. You know, the, set, the familiarity with the controls. That you know, that reused enough. Empire tech, love it. I'm going to love it on Mandalorian too, I'm sure. So that was a nice touch. And also, here's a good point to mention. If, if you go back and watch the episode... Pause it on the cast list. Uh, all the pirates who had speaking lines for the first time and like uh, background stormtroopers and first order uh, TIE fighter pilots, it was voiced by, you know, the regular cast members like Liam McIntyre, who does Pyre, did one of the pirates and um, like uh, Donald Faison did Hype and a TIE fighter pilot. Yeah, it looks like they just let everybody have a lot of fun this episode and say, Hey, just do do this voice too, since they're not a common character. So that was a lot of fun. So when the First Order shows up, you know, we get to see the Aces launched into space for the first time. We've only ever seen them launch for races or, you know, above the ocean. And again, I talked about it last episode. One of the brilliant things about the show is they're using the same setting, the Colossus, but in different environments, so you know, you see them launch above water, in air, in space. It, it, it keeps it different. And it's so cool. And you know, of course, the Aces, you know, it's a different environment for them. You know, they're used to racing or fighting off pirates. They're not used to uh, having to fight the uh, the First Order in space. So that'll that'll come into play later as. We find out from the preview for next week. Um, so basically, we get the second battle of Dakar, which is crazy. I mean, we get a, there's two space battles about that same planet in the span of, I don't know, a day, maybe hours. You know, we're finding out more about the timeline, you know, because from the time of No Escape to this episode, of Quick Salvage Run, The entire battle of Starkiller Base has happened. And the Battle of Dakar, the first Battle of Dakar. Both those those battles happened in the time between those two episodes. So this timeline is so tight. And I imagine while this was all going on, that the Supremacy was still chasing the Radus and the remainder of the Resistance. Which means, you know, maybe an episode or two from now, we may get that distress signal from Leia that was sent out from Crane. So, the way they tied it together in this episode was just insane. Uh, so, yeah, loved the space battle over Dakar, over that familiar setting. You still have the, the smoldering surface, all the wreckage. And, and, you know, I mean, obviously, some things in the movie were just completely blown apart, but you saw, like, almost intact X-Wings that had been destroyed, and the pilots are, of course, dead. And all I could think of was that one shot in Last Jedi where Leia looks down at the uh, readout screen, and all the X-Wings that were lost are, you know, colored red. That's the one. We saw them floating there, and that was really creepy and just disturbing, you know? just a brilliant way to tie everything together. Um, I love the animation of the Galleon. Uh, when they were trying to get back with the quaxium. I kind of skipped over the whole salvaging thing, but, you know, and I talked about it before, you know, Niku gets to practice some salvaging and they get the coaxium out. And we, You know, we found out how volatile it was in Solo, so it's just kind of, you know, repeating that for us. Um, but, you know, they get out. Uh, the galleon is hit from behind and it kind of kind of goes out of control and it just, and it starts knocking into all the, the wreckage from the, the previous battle. That was just beautiful animation. The way everything, you know, everything keeps bouncing off of it as it flows through space, trying to get back to the Colossus. Um, and rough, yeah, rough landings all around. The Galleon has to land as hard as it can. Uh, the Colossus starts moving, so the Aces have to get into the um, uh, get into the hangar bay, um, and slide in. It's almost um, you know everybody hates it, but you remember Star Trek V? When they had to go, uh, take the shuttle into the docking bay of the Enterprise without a tractor beam. And then they just like, yeah, they freehanded it and just skidded it in. Kind of like that. Just a cool visual and just shows you the urgency of what's going on with the whole crew. Just amazing. This, this episode was great. I mean, I'll wait till the end of the season, but I'm ready to make this top five all time. It's, it's that good. Not just because of the tie-ins, I mean, it's just a great episode on its own for the action and such. Um, The the one thing I had a little bit of trouble with was when Niku was having to, you know, load the Coaxium into the Colossus hyperdrive, they drew that out a little bit too long. And they even said they were going to have, you know, originally it was even longer with, you know, it doesn't fit and they would have to get a new casing or something. Yeah. I mean, we we got it. You know, they had to be careful loading it. And, you know, it added to the tension, but, yeah, it stretched it out just a bit too long. Um, but they yes, they managed to escape. They lived to fight another day. They're in hyperspace, and now the real uncertainty begins. You know, they made it to the car. They at least know the status of the Resistance from that point on. You know, hopefully they're still on the run. Eager believes it. So the exploration part of the season begins. You know, they only have two. They only needed two episodes to resolve. Can we make it to the Resistance base? And they, they did that. So bravo for the. A solid storytelling. Um, you know, I do like at the end, you know, eager's questioning how did they know we were here, Sonara, you know, things So, oh, by messaging Tam, did you get us in trouble? So, you know and I mentioned it about last week about you know who you know who's gonna place the blame, who's gonna take the blame for their situations. So there's gonna be more of that. You're just adding more more questions to be resolved throughout the season. But yeah it's been an amazing amazing start to the season um great job to everyone uh, again, again the voice work was fun uh the writing was solid it's a great episode can i wait till next week uh, but that wraps it up i'm almost out of hyperspace myself um but you can listen to last week's episode where little Han and i talked about our triple force friday fun all the previous radio to car episodes are on most major podcast platforms uh, you can go through anchor and find us soundcloud itunes well it's not itunes anymore A- apple google play spotify overcast whatever you like uh, we're on social media at radio Dakar on instagram and twitter uh, let let me know what you what you thought of it uh also i'm patreon patreon.com slash radio to car if you'd like to be a patron of the show and help us out Uh, if we get enough um, patrons at certain levels uh, there will be some bonus things to be done and thank you to patreon or to patron uh, rural farm boy anthony but that is it Uh, again an amazing episode can't wait for more we will see you next week